Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. The last few days have been a very spiritual experience for me, and I, I need to share that with the congregation, and um, I guess there's a part of my flesh that really doesn't want to share that, but I'm, I'm going to because I really feel pressed of the Lord to share a testimony this morning. But me and Renee started a little home project this uh, uh, last couple of weeks, and um, a big project, and... Um, I took a day off work to work out there and I got off work Thursday and was working out there and it was hot and I was all by myself and uh, just kind of got really frustrated with it and uh, started making some mistakes. And um, I went in the house Thursday night and uh, really, really tired. I'd, I'd been up since before two o'clock and worked till eight or nine o'clock out in the on a project, and I come in, I was so tired and kind of aggravated and just didn't go real well. And it was just like the Lord said, if you'd asked me to help you, I would have helped you. And so I got up Friday morning, and I thought, I'm not doing this by myself. I can't. So I got up, I got up early Friday morning, and I, and I spent time with the Lord and prayed, and I talked to him. And um, I said, Lord, I don't know how to do this. You're going to have to help me. And I said, Lord, would you, would you just show me before I make a mistake? And would you just help me, you know, won't get hurt today and just get through the day? And I was just amazed at how things went. Things just went so very good. But then several times as the, as the weekend progressed, I get in a hurry and I quit thinking about him. Anybody know what started happening? Start making mistakes. And then it was like the Lord said, if you'd asked me, I could have helped you not to do that. And so I learned to just be praying and asking and praying and asking and praying and asking all the way through. And he just got me to play. It was just like he said, every time you take your focus off me, I'm going to let you mess up real good. And then, and then if you start focusing on me again, it's going to go really good for you. I was just amazed. And out there working in, in a not such fun situation, God was real to me, and I'm thankful for that. He let me realize how small I am and how much I need him. And you say, well, that's not very spiritual. It was to me. It was to me because he had to show me how to do it, and he had to take care of me. Me and they had a little incident. Uh, we went uh, to get some material. We had a little, little incident when we went to get that material, and um, it, it could have been really bad. Uh, but God watched over us, and, and God just so plainly showed me that was me. That was me. I took care of you. I, I protected you. I, I, I kept you from having something bad happen to you. And listen, guys, this isn't just an in-church thing. This is all of our life thing. Everything we do. You say, well, washing dishes isn't spiritual. It can be. I don't know, probably many of you have never read that book, uh, um, In His Presence, uh, or I believe that's the name of it, uh, um, uh, Brother Lawrence, um, he was a monk, I don't know, back in the 1500s or something. Uh, but a whole book has been written about him. And the whole concept of that book is everything that man did, he said, when I was washing dishes, I could feel the spirit of the Lord. And when I was sweeping the floor, cleaning toilets, I could feel everything he did. He, 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 he didn't make it about church. He made it about God. And that's how we're supposed to live life. Amen. And uh, so just a little uh, um, advice to all of you. Um, if, if you want things to go better, ask God to help you. Amen. And so that being said, let's let's get into the message. I am excited about the message. So those of you that were in Sunday school this morning and, and those of you that weren't, but we learned that if we're doing this right, right now at this very moment, all of you guys are supposed to be on the edge of your seat thinking, I can't wait to hear the word of God. Right? That's what you guys are supposed to be doing. And you guys are supposed to be thinking, whatever, whatever the Word of God says, it's going to change my life. That's what you guys, and if you guys aren't, you need to stop right now, bow your head, repent, and pray that God will put you in that frame of mind that says, whatever the Word of God says, it's going to change my life. 
because that's what we're supposed to be doing. And we also learned in Sunday school that I, as the preacher standing here before you, have to have the confidence that what I'm about to say is going to change every one of your lives. This is what Renee said in Sunday school. She said, if I'm not like that, I ought to just sit down right now and take my seat. Because why waste the time if I don't believe what I'm about ready to say? Amen? That's pretty good. But I do believe it. I believe this came from God. I believe God has stirred my heart uh, through all that I've been through these last few, several days. God has really stirred my heart. I believe this message came from God. I believe the Word of God. And I believe the Word of God will change your life. And I believe if your heart is right and my heart is right, the Holy Spirit will speak and we will learn great things this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. So if you're not there, bow your head secretly where nobody knows. Pray God to forgive you and, and get caught up so we can have a good, uh, a good message this morning. So fourth chapter of uh, the book of Romans, we learned last week that we are saved by faith and nothing but faith. It is all by faith. And we're going to pick up reading this morning in verse number nine. going to read the rest of the chapter, a little bit of reading, but it all kind of goes together to me. And so we're just going to take it in one big chunk. If you'd stand and honor the word of God, um, <clears throat> As we read this, so after Paul has made an argument for three chapters that we are all sinful and that none of us are good, then he, in the first part of chapter four, he made the argument that faith is the only way to be saved, the only way to go to heaven, is the only way to stay saved is faith. And verse number nine, we pick up the, the text. It says, cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned unto Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, the seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe through through they, though they be not circumcised, that the righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. <clears throat> For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect, because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, if, therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but that also which is of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which is spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded what he, had, what he had promised, he was able also to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus from the dead, who, we, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you that I have the privilege of standing here to proclaim it. I thank you for the excitement that I feel in my heart. I thank you for the good people that have come to hear it. And God, I pray that you would do what only you and you alone can do. I pray you would speak to the hearts of all of us. And Lord, during this message, could we have a greater understanding of you and your will, I pray. In Jesus' holy name, amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> so... Before I get into the, the message, the, the, the outline this morning, I want to ask this question. Because this really come to me. 
Is it interesting to anybody else, or have you guys thought about this? Um, all of the people in the Old Testament, and as far as that is all the people in history, all of the people that there were, why of everybody that is on that's been on this planet for all these years, why did God pick Abraham to be our example of how to be saved? Does, does anybody have thought about that? No, he could have picked Moses, he could have picked Joshua, he could have picked Elijah, he could have pushed, picked uh, Elisha, he could have picked Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. There was a lot of great men. Uh, he could have picked uh, um, David. I mean, there's all kinds of great men of God. Why did, why did God, because we're in the New Testament now, this, everything we've been learning, all the book of Romans, or most of the book of Romans is about our salvation. Everything we've been learning is about salvation up to this point. This chapter 4 is all about our salvation. And God uses Abraham as the key of man of all time to teach us what salvation is. Why? Why? I mean, would it make more sense to use Paul or Peter or, you know, or someone else? And by the way, Abraham was before the cross, right? Why would he use Abraham? That's an interesting question to me as I begin to study. And if you really understand the, the big picture of the Bible, uh, really, um, and I don't think it's really too much of an overstatement, this whole Bible is about Abraham's family. Think how staggering that is. I mean, that's at least the Old Testament, and, and we will learn it in the New Testament as well. It's about Abraham. So that's a, that's a staggering thought. What was it about Abraham that is such a big deal? That God would single him out, so, however many years later it was, thousands of years later when Paul writes this, and Paul would single out Abraham as the man to be the, the pattern of our salvation. I, I think that is pretty staggering. <clears throat> so we've been learning some, some fundamental truths of this, so let's just uh, look at just a few things. We'll get into the outline this morning. Um, but I, this is so crystal clear and in this text we just read this morning, what we read last week, and it's just so crystal clear in the Bible, and I really don't know how we come up with a different, I think you really have to twist the scriptures to come up with a different thing. But in this text, it is so clear, Abraham received righteousness by faith. Wasn't circumcision, wasn't the law, wasn't any of those things. Um, you Bible readers know this. When Abraham was on the earth, was there any law to abide by? There was no law. There, there was no Bible, right? There was, so you can't say he kept the, he did this. No, there was no Bible. There was no law. There, there was nothing to go by. There was, there was no works of goodness. There was no works of righteousness. It, it says here that he received his righteousness while he was yet uncircumcised. So we have Jews reading this and they think, well, yeah, we're people of God. We're circumcised. But Abraham was made righteous when he was still uncircumcised. So it, it, this is all about faith uh, uh, that we receive our righteousness. And we made that point really clear last week, but uh, again, I, I believe that if, if you study the entirety of the Word of God and you come up with any other conclusion, uh, you're probably um, not understanding the Bible because it is clearly by faith alone. <clears throat> again, in this text, uh, several times here, uh, it, it speaks of Abraham uh, being the model of imputed righteousness. Uh, um, um, the verses down there, uh, 21, 22, and I think back over the beginning, several places there, it talks about the imputed righteousness. And then it, and it goes on to say, we're not writing this just for Abraham's sake, we're writing it for your sake. So, so we get righteousness put on our account because of faith in Jesus and nothing else. Amen? We are made righteous and it's imputed to our account. It has nothing to do with what we do, how good we are, what we accomplish. It is all about what he did and what is put on our account. It's imputed to us. And last week we learned how blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. When God won't put sin on your account, but he puts righteousness on your account, how glory to God. Amen. So, so that, is, that is our salvation. Now, let me just sidestep here just for a little bit. Uh, most of you could care less about this uh, and, and unless, unless you like uh, deep theology. But there's a theology out there. Let me, just, let me just throw this out there just in case you're thumbing through uh, YouTube someday and you come across this. And this is kind of really important. It's, it would take hours and hours and hours to explain this to you. But let me just kind of real quickly just give you a warning. We did not replace Israel. 
Okay? There's a teaching that says, you know, God made all these promises to Abraham, but then Jesus came and died on the cross, and then the church became Israel, and, and all the promises now and, and everything we see in Revelation does not pertain to Israel, it pertains to the church. That's false doctrine. Okay? We were grafted in. Israel still exists. You can't read the book of... Re now, if you read the book of... Re here, here's where a lot of... And I don't have time to rabbit trail on this, but here's where a lot of false doctrine comes in about the end of time. If you read the end of time, all of that stuff about Israel, guess what that's about? It's about Israel. Right? When it says all Israel, it's all about Israel. But here's what a lot of uh, Bible preachers do. They say, well, the church replaced Israel, so then we get to the book of Revelations. All that stuff about Israel is talking about the church. No, it's not. And that's why we get it all mixed up. It's so, so just put that in the back of mind. We did not replace Israel. We were grafted in. Israel is still the people of God. The United States has stood with Israel, and they have been an ally. The Bible says, to whom, whom uh, blesses Israel, uh, God will bless. And who curses Israel, God will curse. It's a very scary day that we live in that we're turning our backs on Israel because God says if we do, he'll turn his back on us, right? But Israel is still God's people. Okay, we, we, are we good with that? that that's, what, that's what the Bible says. So, so Israel is still uh, God's people, but Israel is the physical descendants of Abraham. Okay, so Abraham had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob and, and, and Jacob had 12 uh, uh, children of Israel. And then from there we have the, the nation of Israel, literally. I don't think we have any Jews here this morning. Okay, right? We, we, don't, we don't have any natural physical descendants of Abraham. But the Bible just told us, if we understand it, that if you are saved, you are a spiritual descendant of Abraham. Now, I, when I sung here a few weeks ago, there were so many people who said they really liked it, want me to do it again, I'm going to do it again this morning. <clears throat> okay? I don't, remember, I don't remember if we sung this song here, and, and, and Jamie and Jacob and uh, Chrissy and Brenda, whatever you guys can, I don't know if you guys we sing this song, but when I was a little kid, we used to sing this song. Uh, Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons, had Father Abraham. Remember that? And I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just pray. And I used to think as a kid, well, I'm not a son of Abraham. Wasn't that impressive, by the way? <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a son of Abraham. I, I, I was six years old sitting in Sunday school, and, and I'm thinking, I didn't think I was a Jew. And, they just, and then I'm thinking, is this song wrong? Are they teaching us wrong things? But you know, that's right. I am a son of Abraham spiritually, but I'm not a son of Abraham physically. Are you guys with me? Does this make sense? So I am, I can say that I am a, a spiritual Jew, but I cannot say I'm a physical Jew. I can say that Abraham is my father through faith. I cannot say Abraham is my father through the flesh. Amen? And so, so that, that's really important. And now look down with me in verse number 16. Look down with me. I think this is important. We need to get this. So all of this talk about faith and salvation, how we get to heaven. And it says, therefore, it is of faith, just as clear as can be, that it might be by grace uh, to the end that the promise might be sure. Do we understand what sure means? It's definite. It's positive. It's not going anywhere. It's, it, it is saying that this, you can count on this. And can I just tell you that our salvation, it's not a hope so salvation. It's not I think I got it. It's not a maybe I'll make it. It is I know I have salvation. Uh, the first John chapter 5 verse 13 says, I write these things unto you that you may know that you are saved. This is a know so salvation. And if you understand that it is by faith and not by what you do, you will understand you can know you're going to heaven. And I want all of you guys to know you're going to heaven or, or know that you're not going to heaven. But here's an interesting thing. It said that it be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of faith. That is, that is those of us that have believed in Jesus Christ. But this, look what it says. Is this interesting to anybody? Which is of the faith of Abraham? I preached last week that there are more than one kind of faith. That's kind of what we talked about this morning. So the devil believes the devil's not going to heaven. There are a multitude of people who all over who believe. And there are a lot of people who think they're Christians who believe. But there is a false faith and there's a real faith. 
Amen? And this says the faith of Abraham is what will get you to heaven. And so if that's interesting to you, it's very fascinating to me. If it's interesting to anybody else, uh, Abraham is set up as the model, as the, as the pattern, if you will, from thousands of years ago. That really literally is the father of our faith, the father of our salvation uh, um, to, to, to help us to understand it. And so I would like to look at Abraham as a pattern for you and I today. Now, I did not do this on purpose. I'll be honest with you, as I wrote it down, I was literally writing this down, and I got, I don't know, down three or four, and I thought to myself, oh my goodness. But I didn't do this on purpose. I was just thinking through Abraham's situation, point number one, Abraham's situation. And I was writing down the situation Abraham was in, and after I got down about three or four, just naming what Abraham did, I thought to myself, oh my goodness, that's our situation. I mean, I was, I, I was stunned when I began to write down Abraham's situation. It is our situation. So if we look at Abraham's situation here in this story, if you're a Bible reader and you know what his, his situation was, Abraham was living in a pagan culture. He literally was called out of the land of Chaldees, which was a land of idolatry. They did not know God. They were away from God. They worshiped idols. Everyone around him was worshiping idols. Uh, he, he was living literally in a culture that was anti-God. Sound familiar? Amen? Sound familiar? And then... He was living in a time, this is really mind-boggling to me, but not only was the culture a pagan, there was no Bible. Literally. Listen, Genesis hadn't even been written yet. There was no law. Moses hadn't been born yet. There was no law. There was no Bible. There was no nothing. Literally, the only thing they had is from uh, word of mouth, from, from, son, from father to son, and on down through the generations, they would tell them uh, from Adam that Adam had experienced, and that's all they had. And, and, and so there was no law. There was no Bible. And so not only did Abraham not have a Bible, but everybody around him did not have the Bible. And I begin to think about how we live today. We're, we're continuously living in a country that is pagan. Amen? And we're more and more living in a culture where they don't know anything about the Bible. They're just complete biblical literacy, even inside the church. Still in Abraham's situation, uh, on, with, with the pagan culture and the uh, no understanding of the Bible, God challenged Abraham with an impossible challenge. So we, if you know the story quickly, Abraham's living in, in a land of Chaldees. Uh, God tells him to up and move for no reason. He just said, get your stuff and, and get up and move. Abraham, by faith, got up and went and, and just to a strange land. He then says, um, Abraham, I am going to make you the father of a great nation. Super cool. But I don't have any kids. Right? And I'm old and my wife is past the age of childbearing. But God said, you're going to have a child. And that child is going to give you an entire nation. Now that seems pretty impossible. Are you guys with me? You're on, you know, he, this was a few years before he got there, but we eventually got there. He was 100 years old, but, but, but he was an old man, and his wife was an old woman, and God said, you're going to have a baby, and that baby, you're going to have a great nation. But you know what the Bible says we just read to you? It, this is amazing, if you guys could just get this. It said, Abraham staggered not. My wife's 90 years old. That's no problem. We can still have babies. Right? He didn't stay. You know why? Because God said it. And he believed it. That, that was it. And then he said, not only that, he said, not only are you going to have a son, and he's going to become a great... Now, just think about this. It is an impossibility that for old people that old to have babies. That's impossible. But not only that, and she had been buried. No doubt they had been trying for years and years and years, 40 years of trying, couldn't have a baby. And now when she's old, past the age of having babies, without going into all the biology, it was impossible to have a baby. And God said, you got a baby. But not only that, I want you to think about that. How many... Uh, let's just use my family. Let's use my family. Will there be a Sorrel dynasty thousands of years from now? No. 
They'll be gone. My name will be gone. The, 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 in other words, you can't look back in history and find all. And you just, just, but Abraham not only had a son, not only a nation, but, but thousands of years later, there's still the people of Abraham. And all over the world, listen, the, the Muslims, they know about Abraham. And all of these other religions, they know about Abraham. He, he, he lived on. So not only did he have a son, and not only did he have a nation, but that continued on. And can I tell you what? At the end of time, when Jesus comes back, Israel's still going to be here. So that's a big deal. But if that wasn't hard enough to do all of that, also... He said, not only am I going to make you a nation, and not only is that nation going to be called the people of God, not only that, let's imagine this. You're Abraham, you don't understand anything about the cross or, or anything about the New Testament. You don't have a Bible, you don't know anything else, but this is what God says to you. Not only am I going to give you a son, not only am I going to make you a great nation, not only will that nation uh, last for, for millennial, not only that, but the entire world will be blessed because of you. How is that possible? I mean, how is that possible? How is this one man who doesn't have any kids not only going to start a nation that, that will become the people of God, but also he is going to buy Abraham. He's going to bless all people through all time who believe in Jesus. And he doesn't even know who Jesus is. Is anybody getting this? But here is the staggering thing. Is impossible is all. And I don't know about you guys. If you really just think about that, that is impossible. But here's the thing, as impossible as it is, Abraham said, okay, I believe you. <laughs> I mean, okay, I believe you. <laughs> it's absolutely impossible. It cannot be done. It is an impossibility, but I believe you. I stagger not at your uh, uh, promise. That was Abraham's situation. Now, We'll, we'll get to us in a minute, but we, we have a pagan culture. We have no Bible, less and less Bible that is known in our culture. And we have some impossible challenges uh, facing us. But how many of you believe if we just believe God like Abraham did, right? God can still do great things. I'm not going to even try to go down that road of what if Abraham wouldn't have believed. But what if Abraham wouldn't have believed? Just think about that for a second. I, I, I mean, that's way over my head. Uh, but just think of the entire planet just changed. You guys get that? The, enti the entire, I mean, we don't have time to do that. But if he wouldn't have believed, they would have changed the entire planet. Uh, but he did believe. He held on to that promise. He held on to it all the way through. He did not let go of that promise. Now, this is kind of, this is kind of um, I, I think you guys are tracking with me. I feel like you're tracking with me. I, I hope you're not lying when you're doing this, but I think, you guys are, I think you guys are tracking with me, okay? But here's something I want you to understand. This is so important. Now, if you understand the Bible and you understand the fourth chapter of, of Romans, uh, it is a pattern for our salvation. God, it, Paul is explaining what salvation is, and to a whole lot of people who didn't know what salvation was, and Romans is really the, the, the major book on teaching us about salvation, I want you to think about this. Last week we talked about that rope. I want you to imagine that that, that rope has got a hold of Abraham. He's holding on to that promise. He looks at Sarah. It's been many years since this promise has been made. She's still not pregnant. Sarah says, I think you should go over and sleep with my handmaid. Abraham says, okay. I will. So he did. She has a baby. They quickly realized that was a mistake. Sarah gets mad when runs her out of the house, runs her off, doesn't want her in the house, yada, yada, yada. That was a sin, by the way. That was a, in multiple ways, that was a sin. But he held on to the promise. Is anybody getting the picture that I'm trying to draw? He messed up. He went into, uh, he went into Abimelech and, and, and he went in there and Sarah was a good looking woman. And he says, sure as anything, they'll say, uh, he's her husband. I'm going to kill him so I can have, eight, so I can have his wife because she's so pretty. He said, tell her, uh, tell everybody we're not married. We're not a couple. Tell them we're brother and sister. They won't kill me that way. That was a sin. That was wrong. He should have trusted God. Right? 
Abraham was not a perfect man. Abraham did things wrong. Abraham sinned, but he held on to his faith. The Bible says unstaggeringly he held on to his faith. And how many of you believe that Abraham is in heaven today? Uh, when, when Jesus told the story, and, and I know this is somewhat of a, a, a um, we want to be careful about making more out of it than what it should. But when Jesus told the story about Lazarus and, and uh, uh, the, the rich and young ruler and Lazarus, where did, the, where did Lazarus go? To Abraham's bosom. That's pretty good proof. That's pretty good proof, right? But, but all I'm saying is, if that's a pattern for our salvation, you can't look at Abraham and say he didn't sin. You can't look at Abraham and say he always lived right. After he did all these things, he still did things wrong, but his faith never wavered, and his faith is what got him to heaven, and his faith is what God counted for righteousness, not his good deeds. Amen? So he had a bad situation. After... All of this. He trusted God for, I believe, about 25 years. He finally gets a son. He's held on to the promises. He's made a lot of mistakes, but he just trusted God all the way through. He finally has a son. You just imagine how happy you'd be if after 100 years of trying, you had a son. You just imagine how happy you'd be. I mean, all of us know what it's like to have that firstborn son. It's like, it's the greatest thing in the world. It's just, you know, nobody's ever had this feeling where it's the greatest thing. I've got a son. It's the greatest thing. Ever. But can you imagine if you're 100 years old and you've wanted one for 100 years and you all of a sudden have a baby, how excited you would be. I mean, it's like the greatest thing ever, right? I can just imagine Abraham, he never wanted to do anything else except for be with Isaac because he loved him so much. And we don't know exactly how old he was, but probably as a teenager after Abraham had just fallen more and more and more in love with him, God said, I need you to take him up on Mount Moriah and I need you to sacrifice him for me. Does anybody else just shake their head like, <laughs> what? I, I waited 25 years and I believed you and you got, gave me a son. I fall and passionately love with him. He's the, he's the lot of my life. And you want me to kill him? You know what the Bible says? God said it. Abraham got up early the next morning and he did it. And here is the staggering thing. We talk about emotions a lot. I know I talk about emotions a lot. How many of you think, how many of you think this morning, well, I don't care if you're a man or a woman, how many of you think that if God said to you, kill your son, that would stir some emotions? Would it stir some emotions? Would you say, oh, I don't care, I'll kill my son, I'm good. And they're listening, you're in your right mind. If God says, kill your son, you're going to say, oh, that doesn't bother me none. Right? It's going to stir some emotions. Here's what the Bible says. Abel, Abraham was able to set aside all those feelings and emotions and thoughts and fears that he had. And this is what it says in the book, and I believe in the book of Hebrews. It said, Abraham went up knowing that even if I stab him in the heart, God can raise him back up. Think about that. He, I believe he said in Genesis, he said, me and the lad are going under to worship and we're coming back down. I'm trying to paint you the picture of all of the fuss about Abraham is not because he was a good man. It's not because he did everything right. It's because he believed God. And our call today is to believe God. Listen, we, we will make mistakes. We will do things we shouldn't. We will not all be perfect. But the call for Sandhill Church is to believe God, to have faith in God. Not only faith to get to heaven, but faith to do what God has for us to do. It will take faith and unwavering faith. See, we get to talking about things in church. We get talking about evangelism, we get talking about camp, we get talking about OCC and, and all different things that we do around here, and maybe other things that we do in the church. And we get to talk about that. We can have a big, a good church service, we have a kind of a pep rally, and we're all pumped up, we're ready to go. And then, and then we run into a major obstacle. And what do we do? Drop our head, and this ain't never going to work out. You know what Abraham did? Didn't matter. There's an obstacle, God promised, I believe. Isn't that how we're supposed to be living? Isn't that the pattern that is laid out for us uh, from Abraham before the New Testament? Isn't that how we're supposed to be living? So Abraham never lost his faith. Now, again, very clear, but point number two, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look a little closer to the situation uh, when it comes to you and I. But number two, 
It is clear in this text several times that his righteousness was imputed because of his faith. And that is a symbol for us. It says again that it wasn't written just for his sake, but it was written for our sakes. Uh, um, down in verse uh, 29, or, or I'm sorry, 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Abraham became righteous, he became justified, he became able to go to heaven, not because of anything else except for his faith. And then it says, now it was not written for his sake alone, but it, that it was imputed to him, but for, our, but for us also, to whom it, was, it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. So Abraham was made righteous, by imputation of, of God's grace. And it says that you and I will only go to heaven if God imputes righteousness on our account. Amen? By faith. So that is imputed righteousness. <clears throat> Again, Abraham made many mistakes. There wasn't any law. Uh, he didn't have a Bible to follow. Uh, we can look at his life and point out all the different things where he failed God and what he wasn't what he was supposed to be. But he believed God. And that is a staggering thing about the story from the time that God called him out of Chaldee until, until really till he died. We can find all kinds of sins along the way. But he believed God all the way to the end. Is anybody seeing a pattern here? I'm trying to draw you guys a pattern. I'm trying to draw you guys. Paul uses this as a pattern for the New Testament to live by. Paul uses this for a pattern for the New Testament Christian. You and I, if you get saved, I don't care if you've been saved for, for six months or for 40 years, you and I are going to make mistakes. You and I are going to fall down. You and I are going to stumble. You and I are going to do things we shouldn't do. But praise God, we got to believe that I am saved by Jesus Christ and hold on to that faith. And like we said last week, it isn't us holding on to him. It's him holding on to us. And when we got that, we can have that sure faith uh, that, is, that we are confident in knowing uh, I'm going to heaven. When I have a really horrible day, when I don't feel like it, when life falls apart, when tragedy strikes, I have faith that my, my uh, salvation is secure in Jesus. How precious is that to everybody? If you really get a hold of that, that's very precious. You know, if you get a little older, we're all going to have some health problems of different sorts. But can anybody testify this morning that you can be so sick or so hurt or so feeling bad physically, you don't feel like a Christian at all? Anybody with me? I, we talked in Sunday school a little bit, but you can be so drugged up, I have been, you don't really feel like a Christian, right? Because of pain. You can, you, there's many things that can make you feel, but, but what, whatever sickness that comes upon you, we don't know what lays ahead. There, there might be terrible sickness or tragedy laying ahead of, for us, but no matter what you feel like, like Abraham, I believe in Jesus. That's all you got to do. You don't have to feel it. Is anyone here thankful that we're not saved by feelings? Is anybody thankful that when you cannot feel saved, uh, but praise God, you can be saved because you believe Jesus? And there are some days I feel really, really, really saved. And there are some days I don't feel too saved at all. But praise God, I didn't know my feelings. And not to rabbit trail, but if you get caught up in how you feel, you're just going to be up and down all the time. You're, you're going to be all the time. But if you say it's about Jesus, then you don't have to be up and down because can I tell you, Jesus is not up and down. Jesus is always steady. Amen? So Abraham's uh, situation wasn't good. Abraham had righteousness imputed to him. But let's look at now, because he had faith, I want you to look at the fruit that Abraham was able to, to bear. It is really staggering. Abraham's spiritual fruit. So he has no children. But today, we know his children, we know his family as the people of God. There's a very seldom you'll find a day that you'll turn on the news that Israel's not in the paper, not in the news. Washington, D.C., there's not hardly a day goes through, they don't talk about Israel. All the other countries on the planet, they talk about Israel. Israel, is, it's always all about Israel. Amen? And Israel is still to this day known as the people of God. And though they did not accept their Messiah, and though they were set aside because of, of you and I, the Gentiles, coming in, uh, they still know that God is their God and that Abraham is their father. 
And someday it says that they will be brought back in and they will believe in Jesus. That is staggering. What I'm trying to show you is after thousands of years, Abraham still got a family. He still got a family. So that's his spiritual fruit. Uh, and again, all the way to the end, the, the great part of, we preached here a few weeks back about revelations and about the end of time. And, and when I believe the church will be raptured out before the tribulation. And if you understand the book of Revelations, after the church is raptured out, there is no church here on earth. And everything after that, the rest of the book, it's all about Israel. 144,000 preach, uh, preachers, if you'll have it, those are, those are Jews. Uh, all of the things that are going on are about the Jews. Uh, we don't have time to preach all that out, but it's about Israel. Israel is a big deal, and it all comes from the fruit that Abraham uh, uh, was able to bear because he believed God. Not only that, as staggering as that is, but not only that, as we've already said, every Christian that has ever been is, was, became a child, spiritual child, of Abraham. I'd say that's some pretty good fruit. What I'm trying to show you is he had a really bad situation, and, and, he had, and it wasn't because of him, it was because he believed. He had a really bad situation, but what I want you to see is he trusted God, and look what happened. He literally birthed a nation that is the people of God, still going on millennium later. He literally became the father of everyone who was saved all down through time. That's pretty good fruit. Because he believed God. That's it, because he believed God. All of these things happened. And as, as big as all of that is, I think it's a pretty big deal. We find him here in the, fifth, or the fourth chapter of uh, um, uh, Romans. We find him in Galatians. We find him in Hebrews. Over and over and over again, we find Abraham. Isn't it a big deal that not only did he have birth a nation, not only is the father of all that are saved, but isn't it a big deal that Abraham is over and over and over again used in the New Testament? to teach you and I about salvation. I think that's pretty good fruit. If I could go to heaven and say, I birthed the nation, lived millennia, became the people of God, uh, everyone on the planet believed uh, Jesus Christ was my descendant spiritually, and uh, I was used over and over and over in the New Testament teaching about salvation, I'd say, I did pretty good. Right? I mean, that's pretty good fruit. All because he believed God. So today, let's, let's, let's try and put all this, let's put, put all this on you and I. Let's just look at Sandhill Church. Do we have any challenges? Are there any obstacles? Is our country getting closer and closer and closer to God? Our culture becoming more spiritual? I mean, it's not a good situation. The church, I'm not talking about Sandhill, but the church, the church at large, is it getting more and more on fire for God, learning more of the Word of God, getting closer to God, uh, reaching lost souls? Is it? No, we learned in Sunday school it's, it's moving farther and farther away from the Word of God and from, and from God Himself. Right? The, the culture around us, we talked about evangelizing, the culture around us, they're not biblical. A lot of them don't have a Christian grandma, grandpa, mom and dad, aunt and uncle, don't have anybody, don't, never been in church, don't know anything about God, don't know anything about the Bible. And there, there's a very strong core here at Sand Hill. I'm very thankful for the very strong core here at Sand Hill. But, but by and large, a lot of people just aren't interested in being all in. Right? So we got some challenges. Kind of like Abraham. So everything that I've just said, does that change what we're supposed to do for God? Not even a little bit. In other words, did God say, uh, uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel until it gets difficult and then you don't have to do it anymore? Is that what he said? Until the culture turns against me, until they don't believe the Bible, until they're biblical illiterate, until things aren't really hard, you're supposed to preach the Bible. After that, you know, just, just coast. He said, occupy till I come. He said, I, he said I'm like a, a, well, a man who, who bought a vineyard and he set people in charge of it. And he said, I'm going away to a far country. And he said, you stay there and you take care of that vineyard till I come back. And then he said, we are to be like those taking care of that vineyard. We are to occupy till Jesus comes. But how many of you know in this day, you know, we come out here to church and hopefully we get encouraged, hopefully we learn a little bit, but in this day, it's going to take a lot of faith. All right? It isn't going to be a program we come up with. It isn't going to be some new gimmick. It isn't going to be some new uh, razzle-dazzle we come up with. 
if we're going to really evangelize the world, see this church grow, reach lost souls, be a lighthouse in this community, we're going to have to believe, believe God. That's what Abraham did. It's a pattern. He could have made all kinds of excuses why he couldn't do it. And I'll be honest, as I read his story, I'm thinking, that's pretty hard. I mean, that's, that's pretty hard. I think that we would have to say it's just harder, harder than our situation. He had a bad situation. But Abraham never used that to doubt God. He said, I believe God. So I challenge Sand Hill Church. We're all the time pushing you guys. We're all the time pushing you to do different things. How many of you would have thought, um, how many of you would have thought back, you know, if you know the history of, of the camp, but, it, you know, how, how it was started and how it kind of got dropped in our lap and how we didn't know have a clue was going on and everything else going on. We had a whole lot of reasons to quit. But how many of you could have ever imagined it would be what it is today? I don't think me and Josh could have had a clue, right? I mean, I didn't know the thing was going to survive and didn't know. It was, but, but look what God, but my, but my point is it, that, 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 that cannot be built upon how great we are how hard we work, how smart we are. That has to be built upon, we believe God. This camp could be, this camp could be 10 times bigger than it is now, and, and it does seem to be growing uh, tremendously. But if we get to thinking that that is about how hard we work or how good we are, how good a Christian we are, we are going to fail miserably. Just like when I was working this week, every time I got to thinking, I can do this, I mess up. And God would remind me, you can't do that without me. And that's how church is, people. That's how church is. Everything we do, it has to be about Him. It has to be about faith in Him. How about in your own personal life? You, you alone, your personal life. You know, everybody here has got challenges. Everybody got challenges? Everybody has challenges. Everybody has difficulties. Everybody has problems. Everybody has those things God wants you to do you think you can't do. Am I right? Everybody has those things that God's saying, you need to do this, and you think, I can't do that. So will you operate in faith and say, I trust God? Or will you just continue to say, I can't do that? What about that? I'm just calling us to faith. We tried to establish last week we are saved by faith. But the Bible says we are saved by faith. It says we walk by faith. It says we live by faith. And we die by faith. Amen? In other words, once you get faith, there's nothing else but faith. We've got to live by faith. And in Sand Hill Church, if we want to reach the lost, see the church grow, see young people come in, see people saved and converted, see all these great things happen, be a lighthouse in this community, it is not about our strategies or our intelligence or our hard work. It's going to have to be about our faith that God can do this. Are you guys in? Are you guys in? Listen, I think it's some of the best group of people you're ever going to find to go to this church. I, I think that you, we have a really, really strong, solid core. I think there are some people here that are really, really, uh, really good, solid Christians. And I really believe that. That ain't enough. That ain't enough. It, people, I'm telling you, it ain't, it ain't enough. I think we are some of the best givers. I say that all the time, but you guys are some of the best givers I've ever seen, giving financially. You're some of the best workers we've ever seen. We, you, you know, me and Josh talked about it, and, and I don't understand why God did this or how he did it, but we probably have a greater, um, I always call them geeks. I don't know what word I'm supposed to call them, but we, we have more technology in this church than just about any church you can find. You can find churches that have thousands of people and don't have the technology we have. We, we are really off the charts with the technology that we have and the people that know how to do it. Can I tell you that's not enough? All of those things don't matter when you take away faith. We're just a bunch of hardworking people doing all kinds of geeky stuff for no particular reason. Are you guys with me? It is faith in Jesus or nothing else. You cannot go to heaven without faith in Jesus. You cannot have a church without faith in Jesus. We cannot conquer this world without faith in Jesus. We'll never do anything in Sand Hill without faith in Jesus. And that's the pattern that Abraham set for us. He set a clear standard, but it is by faith that he did all the things he did, and we are to follow that same pattern today. Is there a reason, I ask this question in closing, is there a reason that if Abraham is our pattern, and Abraham had an impossible situation, and Abraham believed God, and God did tremendous things, is there a reason someone can give me right now when you stand to when you stand up here marrying someone and uh, you say I don't think they always do this now but they used to always do it uh, when you're marrying two people and you say if if, uh, if anyone has a reason these two should not do this let them speak now or forever hold your peace well I want to ask you guys I want to ask you guys right now is there a reason why God can't do the amazing impossible things with the Sandale Church if we just believe God 
Stand now or forever hold your peace. In other words, do we believe God can do it? If not, why are we here? It is about God doing the impossible or we might as well go home. But if we believe that, why do we have to believe small? Can't God save multitudes? Can't God grow this church? Can't God do just things beyond our wildest imagination? Because we have faith in God. And that's what I'm asking you guys. You already know you don't have an eloquent preacher. Uh, and and, and you know, we're blessed with four preachers. But really, when you compare them to whatever else, what the world has, what the, the big church has, you, we don't have any off-the-charts preachers. All right? We, 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 got, we got a bunch of guys that love the Lord and, and trying to preach the Bible. Can I tell you, it ain't about having eloquent speakers. Eloquent speakers may draw a crowd. Eloquent speakers do not grow a church. Are you guys with me on that? Eloquent speakers will draw a crowd. You know, if you are a worldly person, you will enjoy listening. I've listened to some preachers. There's some preachers on the I, I tell you, they, they can sell ice to an Eskimo. I mean, they are really, really good at talking, right? They, they're fun to listen to. But that's not what it's about. It is about Jesus. And, we, you know, we, we can have all the reasons why we should succeed. But the bottom line is, do we believe God? And if we believe God, the sky is the limit. Will you guys have that? There's a pattern that was set in Abraham. If we follow that pattern in Abraham, there's nothing impossible for us in that church. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we may together embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.